yesterday on Facebook, uh, Richie Cronin, who used to come here uh, before he got his assistantship over in Kirkpatrick, was, um, he must be thinking about his first charge because he was asking what series you should do in your church first when you get a call. And everybody was saying Mark, which I found very encouraging because I did Mark here, but I had no idea that that's what you were supposed to do. But there you go. But I put on the Facebook page that I've been um, for 18 months now doing the lectionary. Um, the revised common lecture because asked, he asked me what lecture it was that we do. And he was asking me what I found the benefits of that were. And the benefits for me, I had to give him an answer then. That was a bit frightening. So I was saying the benefits for me is certainly the church year. You get the church year and you get to Pentecost. And you get to Advent and you get all the different stuff in between. The other thing is to be doing something around the entire Bible within a three-year cycle. The Gospels within a three-year cycle. And having different readings for every Sunday. But also being called to preach on things that you wouldn't normally preach on. Those are the many on this AGM. Um, as I report back in a year of the lectionary, that's something to introduce us to the sermon. However, one of the readings that June Pat has just read is not in this week's lectionary. There's a part of the chapter of Acts 2 in it, but not the part of the chapter that I got um, June Pat to read. Why was that? Well... What I try to do at the start of the week is I try to look at the scriptures from the lectionary and then look at what's happening in Fitzroy and look at all your little faces as I go down the pews and up the other pew. Caroline Orr, you've really thrown me by sitting down there because you're not usually down there and that'll throw all my imaginations during the week that is to come. But that's what I do and then I think, well, what's happening particularly on Sunday? And that's why Roberta and I would talk about Scripture Union's 150th anniversary, the elections or whatever else. And then you're aware that there's a baptism. There's two baptisms. And then you're aware it's the AGM. And you're aware that it's Pentecost. And somehow all of that's given into the sieve that I'm reading the scriptures through. And have got to what I want to share with us today. Which is not so much that pouring out of the spirit. Although it is in John chapter um, 21 that was read to us. This incredible bit where actually John's approach to the pouring out of the Holy Spirit is not on the day of Pentecost, but it happens to the disciples before that in some some way. And then that verse that I would go on about quite a lot, which is the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So we have the Holy Spirit poured out, and we have the disciples becoming to the world what Jesus was to the disciples. And also we have at the end of Acts chapter 2, which is not in this year's lectionary, the birth of the church. So that's somewhere where I came to. But then... As I was blogging yesterday, completely oblivious to the sermon, I came across, or on Friday, I came across um, a blog that I'd written a number of years ago by the band Arcade Fire, who have kind of gone out of the the news uh, in the last few years, but are coming back in with a new album and are actually playing in Belfast uh, on Tuesday week. And uh, the singer in Arcade Fire is a guy called Wynne Butler. He's a fascinating Uh, guy and they're a fascinating band I wouldn't say that I'm a fan Um, I would say I'm certainly someone who appreciates their work and um, uh, investigates their work simply because of the content they have but this article that I wrote spoke into today this is when Butner uh, a few years ago speaking to the rock journalist Sean O'Hagan he said I had a somewhat religious upbringing he grew up Mormon by the way I had a somewhat religious upbringing. Not strict, but it was there, and I'm kind of thankful for that. If you grew up just watching MTV 
that's its own form of religion and not even based on happiness or communal responsibility. I mean, try to construct a worldview out of MTV. The journalist says to him, it sounds, uh, both, uh, it sounds in your recent songs that you still miss the faith-based sense of community. Butler answers, yes, I guess I do. He says, I'm not practicing. I don't go to church. But what I got from it was a sense of belonging to something bigger. What I really miss is being forced to be in a community with people that aren't the same as you. Then you really have to work through the ways that you're different. I think that's important. And it's missing in a youth culture. I guess some of the songs are a reaction against the tyranny of a youth culture. Where you only hang around with people who dress like you. Think like you. And listen to the same music as you. Even though we are seen as a quintessential indie band. I feel very far from that culture a lot of the time. So here's a singer, Mormon background, living in an MTV world, although it wouldn't be called that, I'm sure now. It's an old phrase that Roz and I would have used when we were the youth gurus. But uh, something of that, that we watch MTV because, as Roz and I would have quoted many times, uh, it just doesn't entertain, but MTV's, um, the head of MTV in the 80s said, I don't influence the young people, I own them. Here's a singer critiquing that and saying MTV's nothing to build a worldview but I miss the community of faith why did he miss the community of faith first of all you're part of something bigger Pentecost something that's going to the ends of the earth but what I honed in a bit uh, this particular week thinking about an AGM in our community here in Fitzroy was this idea to be forced into a community where people aren't the same as you then you have to work through the ways that you're different. And I couldn't help take that and go back into Acts chapter 2 and think about that merry band of the first disciples. So Pentecost happens and Peter preaches and there's this incredible response to what Peter's preaching. There's a response from heaven because the Holy Spirit's poured out upon the disciples. But there's a response on the ground as all these people come to faith in Jesus. And then it tells us Just those words that June Pat's been reading to us. Then came this little first community of faith. You can imagine. They were from all around the world. They spoke in different languages. They were all from different scenarios. As we read earlier. Ilse I think read about not being uh, Jew or Greek or slave or free. or In Christ we're all one. This little group came together. But they they were all one in Christ. But they had huge differences. Gary, I keep going back to two Sunday nights ago because it was so powerful when he talked about the church in Rome and how the church in Rome had two different kinds of house groups, one that was Gentile and one was Jewish. There were differences. And somehow those churches, as Paul's writing to that church, he's saying, come on, you've got to not run away from your differences. Come on, Ignatius is coming down the road, but listen to him in advance. Run towards each other. Because when you run towards each other, as uh, Jew and Gentile and you come to terms with the differences in Christ that's where the grace grows that's where you're going to have to have unmerited favour for the other that's where you're going to have to move first like God moved first towards you as you reconcile to those with different ideas this little community of faith that gathered together after Pentecost 
had the same foibles and quirks and madness that Fitzroy has and more. You know what I say about you all the time, I probably use it every week, that my job is to slalom your genius and madness. Every one of you. I'm looking right now at your genius. You like that, don't you? How does he know my genius? Oh, I know what I would like to get out of you in this congregation. But I'm also looking at you and I'm seeing your madness. And I'm not convinced that there's another congregation meeting in Ireland this day that has more madness between its walls than I'm looking at right now. The foibles and the quirks of this congregation. The foibles and quirks and wild crazy geniuses that go off on one. The minister's role and maybe the session's role, but they only do it once a month and I do it every day is to try and slalom that genius and madness. How can we get the genius out of what's sitting here this morning? And how can we avoid hitting the posts of the madness as we slalom towards each other? I love and say it's the best part of the character of this community that we are not all the same. That we come from different faith traditions to start with. I keep saying to people, they say you're not very Presbyterian. I say, well, there's not very many of us are Presbyterian, so that doesn't have help, that particular part. I'm looking out at you as I'm trying to find. There are one or two or three I can see, but many of you are from all kinds of other faith traditions. And we come together with different journeys of faith. We come together with some different theologies. But we're together. And one of the wonderful things about being different together is that we can hone each other and learn from each other and be accountable to each other. When I get up on a Sunday morning, I know the ones of you that are going to say, oh, I wasn't sure about that this morning. And the ones that you're going to say, preach it, Steve. And then other weeks I know that it's the ones who said this week, preach it, Steve. Oh, I'm not sure about that. Because I know the differences. That we take things, hear things, or want our priorities to be. But holding it together is the key. Because you're accountable to another opinion. And when you're accountable to another opinion... In the love of Christ. Then we have a possibility for the grace to really grow. Because if you're able to come with your other opinion. Share your other opinion. Have a discussion. Even an argument or debate about the other opinion. Knowing that you're loved in the discussion. And the debate and even the argument. Then we will be able to hone our own faith. If I'm going to say that. In some churches. Everybody's going to agree with that. In some churches. Well then there's no accountability to what we believe. Then there's nobody coming across saying, you're going to have to convince me about that. Well, let me try and convince you about that. Oh, you see, it's that that I come. Suddenly, you're not only honing the sharpness of your mind and your theology, but grace has to be alive for that to be done in the right kind of ways. This is, this is what Wynne Butler is suggesting that a youth culture doesn't have. But my problem with it would be that many of our congregations today are like little MTV cultures where everybody thinks the same or looks the same or whatever else. Praise God in this AGM that that's not one of the things we report here in Fitzroy. But the Holy Spirit's been poured out and this church begins. It's a consequence of Pentecost, but it's also to me evidence of Pentecost that these communities can live with these differences 
That these communities can come together across class and religion and background and find this sense of unity in Christ is not only a consequence of Pentecost, it's evidence of Pentecost. It's evidence that something more is happening within that community. God calls us to salvation through the spirit in Paul's preaching by what Christ has done for us. And then he creates a community comprising those who are called. And the life and work of a Christian community can reflect, even if sometimes only dimly, the reign of God that Jesus proclaimed while on earth and secured through his death, resurrection and exaltation and ascension. So when we're building a kingdom here, here's a place where that kingdom needs to hit the earth to move out from here. This is evidence that the kingdom is being built because of the stuff that we're doing as a community of God's people. And of course, community caresses us and collides with us. It's lovely to know you're in a community and they're going to support you. Be nice to be in a community that would get around us, support us when we need support. We like that. That's the kind of community we all want to be in. But then community collides with us because we can't always have our way, our say, in a community. We have to begin to be democratic and understand each other and come to learn how we live with each other's differences. The church in the New Testament wasn't as utopian as the end of Acts chapter 2 when it followed through. If we read the letters to Rome or Corinthians or Philippians or Galatians, we find that this was a difficult time when it took the Spirit in all its power, all his power, in order to be able to create this community because they were struggling to live with their differences. If you've got anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference to your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, Paul wrote to the Philippians via Eugene Peterson, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favour. Agree with each other, love each other, be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to help a lending hand. Think of yourselves the way that Christ Jesus thought of himself. And we go into that prayer where he who was became nothing so that we who weren't could become everything in the cross and the obedience of Christ on the cross. As the Father has sent me, Jesus is saying, I am sending you. So you're going to sacrifice your life to serve others the way I sacrificed my life to serve others. Don't be obsessed with your own advantage. In this community, be there not so the community serves you, but be in a community so that you can serve it. So how are we doing at the AGM? All week I was playing with the idea. I've done it before, but not in this context. Of dressing up as the devil. Cigarette and all. Because that's what you expect from the devil. I had thought of a tail and horns and a fork. And I thought I'd come out with a clipboard and say, Fitzroy, how are we doing? The devil's AGM speech. But I realised that my own humanity would probably get rid of all my little angsts. And it would be the worst sermon ever preached. And you would all hate me and grace would really have to grow next week before I could still be in the pulpit. So I went against that. But let's look at it the other way. Let's look at the positives of what an AGM should bring. They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together and the common meal and prayers. If I look back over the last year at what we've done morning and evening, 
then I think we've done that. Yes, the lectionary has taken us in some interesting places, and I've tried my best by uh, hopefully the Holy Spirit's power to take the, the text of the lectionary and put it into the context of Brexit and all the other things that happen around us within the church and without, with outside the church. But then Desi and Gary have given us some incredible teaching in the evenings. Our Lenten series was a, a wonderful six weeks where we heard from so many of the congregation and we learned much from Rowan Williamson. Rowan Williams. We've attempted to apply scripture to the life as we have it. And if I was the devil, I'd probably say, I'm delighted in that program and the only thing the devil's happy with is that not many of you were there for most of it. You see, that's where it could have got messy. But it's actually true. If I had one sermon that maybe all of Fitzroy could hear in this last year, Gary two weeks ago, oh, I'd love us all to hear that. I wouldn't love us all to hear that. I'd love him to preach it at Stormont. I'd love him to preach at the General Assembly this week. But again, not many of you there. But that's not going to stay in that. I'm going to move forward. Need. And all the believers lived in a wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and they pulled the resources so that each person's need would be met. Fitzroy, I know that some of us might say that the scriptures don't have a socialist bent, but I think that's only because we're acting against Marxism. It's like the student who came into my office one day and said, I've got a problem. I says, what's that? He says, I'm doing an essay on Marx. I says, what's your problem with your essay on Marx? He says, I agree with him. And I said, isn't that interesting? You don't just disagree with everything Marx said because he's Marxist or because communists came out of Marxism. You've got to read it. You've got to read it with the Bible alongside. And there's one thing that we're hearing from these verses in Acts chapter 2 in that community of the church. And it's this, that it's not a laissez-faire, unaccountable capitalism that the community of belief is. It's this idea that those in need will be looked after and that we will share with those who have a need. Hint of social responsibility in Fitzroy, the Fitzroy appeal. The Fitzroy appeal is one of those things and one of those ways that you're generous. The lunches that we have for Tear Fund and Christian Aid, you're generous. Woman's Aid, you're generous. Embrace, we've just been talking about that. T-shirts, I have hundreds of them if I just could remember to bring them, Natalie. And then only I like you. This little school in Uganda where so far only 20 years have been or less than that. Maybe after the summer another 15 of us or so will have been. And what do I tell them every year? 2015, we built this incredible school. We didn't tithe what we have out here. If we tithe what we have out here, we would be 10% short of our payment. What you did as a generous congregation was you raised 10% more than you needed to for your halls to build a school in Uganda. So I go to them and I say to them very seriously, I say, guys, we're not Americans. We don't print money. We can't give you something every year. And so last year I went back and somebody had donated a well. And two guys had cycled into madness in order to get them a fence. Another 17 grand. And I got up and I said, can I just say to you, we're not Americans. We don't print money. We can't give you some things every year. And the tax books are there. Two sets of tax books over the last two years. And this year we might have enough money to build them a girls' washroom, which will be incredibly helpful for the education of the girls at the school for all kinds of reasons. So I'm going to have to go back. 
I'm going to have to talk them through that. And then the last day I'm going to say to them, look, we're not Americans, we don't print money. So we'll not be able to do this next year. And you know what I'm going to do? I know that you're going to be so generous. You're going to be so committed to these words of the Acts of the Apostles that we're going to have to go back again and do something else. Because the generosity in this congregation is incredible. And at an AGM, reading these particular verses, I want to thank you for that. And numbers are added daily to those who are being saved. Well, we're finding ourselves being added to. And I guess if I was coming out with my horns, I'd be saying it's great to see new families. If you look at the kids that come up to the front for our children's talks, the vast majority are new over the last four or five years, and we are so thankful for that. But if it was the devil, I'd be saying, I'm not very happy about that. I don't like to see people being added because I thought we might close this church in a few years. But if we have all these young families coming in and we have all these children coming in, it's likely that you're going to go on longer than I had planned down there for you up here. And then I might add, but look, I love the way you don't know each other yet. If you could keep that going. Who are these new people? I don't know who they are. Who's that guy playing the bass this morning? I've never seen him before. What we need in the next year as a congregation is to make sure that this community gets developed into a community so that we know the genius, yep, and the madness that is currently sitting in our community that we haven't linked into yet. This morning over coffee, don't run towards that which is familiar. What about running towards that which is unfamiliar? I know you're saying, no, 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 I really don't want to do that. Ignatius would say, run towards that which you don't want to do. Go where the grace grows. That's one of the things we've got to prioritize, I think, over the next year, is making the numbers in our congregation into a community of a congregation. So let me finish and get rid of these last few pages because we don't have the time. The older call of today's sermon is to commit. The church isn't optional. The church isn't optional. It's not something we can avoid. It's not optional because it's part of our discipleship. If you want to learn discipleship, yes, go to all the conferences you want to go to and read all the books that you want to read. But if you really want discipleship, then join a congregation and a community and learn to live in that community and let each other be our resources for discipleship so that the grace can grow and so that we can learn from one another and how we react to one another. Be here as a place of communal discipleship and be here as a place where that communal discipleship would push out into the neighborhood, into the communities around about and right across the world. Church communities where God is not needed in order to hold the community together with their differences seem to me from the scriptures to be pointless. They might even be godless. What I want people to look at in Fitzroy is how on earth can that menagerie of foibles and quirks be community and family? And that there's only one reason in the bottom line and it's not because you're all good looking. It's because the Holy Spirit is in our midst, making us one. Many congregations are certainly not adverts for God. Or sorry, congregations that don't have God at the centre are not adverts for God. They're just another club like the golf or yachts. In golf or yachts. 
Oh, for more communities like the one that the arcade fire singer misses. More like the one that sprung out in Pentecost. More that can be grace producers rather than lounge chair consumers. More that can produce the self-sacrificial life that Jesus called us to and the Holy Spirit enables us to. Communities that love one another. And then as the Father sent Jesus, go in the name of Jesus to love the world. Let's pray together. Lord, we hear the call of the kingdom. A call to be radical communities within the world that we live in. But not cut off from that world that we live in. But moving out into that world that we live in. To bring your grace and your love and your good news. So we pray for us at the end of another church year. At another AGM. Lord we pray that you would bless us. That you would speak into our lives in the places that the devil's quite happy about. But that more than that, you would speak into our lives in the places that the Holy Spirit is thrilled about because it's where he's working through and what we're achieving for you. May you help us to be resources to hold one another's discipleship. And may you help us to be those that would influence the Holy Land Queen's University, Botanic Avenue, Donegal Pass, to the ends of the earth. May we be a community of your people, committed to the apostles' teaching and prayer, committed to one another and to those in need, committed to doing incredible things by your spirit that we may add to those who are being saved. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.